Echoes from God's Word on Echoes of Holiness Radio. What a wonderful privilege it is to be here again tonight and see all of your faces. This must have been the kind of service that fellow was in who said, if something don't happen pretty soon, something's going to happen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's wonderful to know that the Lord's eyes are still over the righteous and His ear is still open to their prayer. I've certainly enjoyed the convention this year. I want to thank Brother Stricker and those that are responsible for inviting us here again this year. Thank you for your provisions for us. May the Lord bless you for that. And I really appreciate the messages that's been preached in the day services. Today was no exception, a wonderful, wonderful day. Started out this morning with a wonderful message from Brother Doval right here. And then Brother Calicott just outdid himself today preaching. And then this afternoon, Brother Paul Wiley preached us a holiness message. And Brother Bill Prescott preached us a holiness message. Oh yes, Brother Prescott's message was just as much a holiness message as Brother Wiley's message was holiness. And we need all of the gospel. You know, as I travel across the country, I, I have to be compatible because people worship in different ways. And I must be honest with you, people's beliefs are different, those opinions that Brother Bill preached about. Some places I go, they're real tight on one thing and loose on something else. And then when I go somewhere else, they're uh, loose on the thing they was tight on over here or vice versa. And then uh, over here, they're tightening down on something else. And really, we must stay with this book. I remember Brother Joe Dunn, Brother Paul Wiley knows him. He's the kind of fellow that you'd have your foot already in his trap and start taking it out before you realize he had a trap set for you. He's gone on now, but he was a wonderful man, a wonderful Christian preacher. One brother was telling him, said, Brother Joe, said, I'm pastor now. One thing I'm not going to have, I'll never let a man in my pulpit that belongs to an organization nor wears a necktie. So that's two things I'm going to stand on. And Joe said, well, the Bible said, preach the word. He said, it sure does. And Joe said, watch that again now, you're not going to allow. He said, I'm not going to let nobody that belongs to an organization fill my pulpit or no one that wears a necktie. Joe said, well, that's the thing to do now. I said, that's what the Bible says. Thou shalt not let a preacher preach in the pulpit that belongs to an organization. And thou shalt not let a preacher preach that wears a necktie. His brother said, uh, Brother Joe said, the Bible don't say nothing about a man uh, preaching that belongs to an organization or a man preaching that wears a necktie. Joe said, you're getting the message now. Preach the word. Amen. Hallelujah. And so everywhere I go, I find so many differences. 
and yet to know that we have been redeemed out of the hand of the enemy to know that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life to know that the blood makes us clean and pure in the sight of the Lord that's what we're to rejoice about because our names are written in the book of life I do not believe in fellowshipping sin I'm not going to do it but my Bible said have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness but rather reprove them but if it's just opinions as brother Prescott said let us do our best to love one another with love unfeigned they tell me there was a man by the name of Napoleon who was a general general Napoleon they said he had a man in his army whose name was also Napoleon this other man in his army by the name of Napoleon was a man of low character he'd steal do a lot of other things and someone reported him to General Napoleon he called him in before him and said is your name Napoleon he said yes it is same as yours and he said, well, I've heard about you and your reputation. And the reason I've called you in, you either change your ways or change your name. And there's some folks out there calling themselves Christians. I wish they'd either change their ways or change their name. Preferably, they changed their ways. Amen. They were called Christians first at Antioch. Thank you for the offering. The Lord bless you. We'll get right into the Word of God once again. Would you stand and ask God to anoint us and help us tonight? Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. You may be seated. In 1st Timothy chapter 2 verse 8 the Apostle Paul says in 1st Timothy his epistle to Timothy chapter 2 verse number 8 Paul said I will therefore that men pray everywhere lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting in the book of Judges chapter 13 verse 24 chapter 13 verse number 24 the Bible said and the woman bare a son and called his name Samson and the child grew and the Lord blessed him and the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan between Zorah and Eshtaol. Chapter 14. And Samson went down to Timnath and saw a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. And he came up and told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Yeah. Then his father and his mother said unto him, 
Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren or among all my people that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Then Samson went down, and his father and his mother to Timnath, and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared out against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. Bible readers and those that are familiar with the life of Samson knows that even his birth was a supernatural feat from God. For God appeared to Manoah's wife and later on appeared to Manoah, gave instructions concerning this man Samson that he would be a Nazarite from his birth. When Samson was born, it was a miracle child. And the Bible said, as a young man, the Spirit of the Lord began to move him at times in the camp of Dan. If there's anything that's better than having godly parents, it is to have the Spirit of the Lord to move you. Oh, godly parents is a great heritage, but unless you follow suit, that will not do you much good. But as a young man, when the Spirit of the Lord was moving on the elders only, Samson, as a young man, enjoyed the presence and the power and the Spirit of the Lord moving him at times. The Bible said that he went down by the vineyards of Timnath, and he saw there among the Philistines a woman that pleased him. He come back home and spoke to his father and mother and said, Get me that woman for wife, for she pleaseth me well. His parents, oh, they put up a little bit of resistance and said, You mean there's no women here, no girls here? Kind of like some of our boys in the Holiness Church. They overlooked some of the most beautiful girls in the world to go out into the world searching for something else. You'll never find a more beautiful girl than the one that's been made beautiful by salvation. Did you hear what I said? The one that's been made beautiful by salvation. But Samson went down, told his parents that I found her now. I want you to go with me and get her. Make the arrangements as was the custom in that day. Amen, I want to bring this woman back. His parents knew not that it was of the Lord and an occasion of the Lord. And after a while, they gave in to Samson's desire. The Bible said they started down toward the camp of the Philistines. 
I don't know how they got separated from the company, but evidently Samson was either ahead of his parents or lagged behind his parents. And as they passed the vineyards of Timnath, the Bible said a young lion roared out against Samson. And he took that lion and rent him apart as he would a kid or a little goat. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord came mightily on Samson and he rent that lion as he would rent the kid and he had nothing in his hand. I want to preach tonight on the power of empty hands. The power of empty hands. Here's Zechariah the prophet saying, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. This man had nothing in his hand. Not a sword, no type of weapon, not even a stick. And I think it's better that he did not have anything in his hand. For you see, when you have something in your hand, you realize or you think at least that your sufficiency is of yourself. But whenever he had nothing to depend upon and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, he took empty hands and slew that lion as he would slay a kid. Listen to me. Listen to me. And the Bible said that he had how much? Nothing in his hand. Oh, glory. The power of empty hands. I came to tell the church and I came to tell you preachers that we've got too much in our hands. I said we've got too much in our hands. I came to tell you, amen, that we have too many things that we're depending upon rather than the Spirit and the power of Almighty God. When an evangelist goes to seek a revival, in many cases today, the first thing they want to know is what Bible school did you go to? Come on now. And I'm not against Bible schools. And I'm not against these brethren with using their talents for the Lord. They want to know how many musical instruments you can play. Who do you have papers with? Amen. How many credentials do you have? And how many volumes of books do you have? But let me tell you, when I was pastoring a church, I was looking for a man that had empty hands, but knew how to let the Spirit and the power of Almighty God use him in the church. Hallelujah. I said there is power in empty hands. My text said that Samson had nothing in his hands and he rent that lion as he would rend a kid. Oh, listen to me tonight. 
if we ever expect to accomplish the purpose that God intended for the church we're going to have to empty our hands back out of the programs of men and the sufficiency of men and realize that our sufficiency is of God and God alone Oh, y'all, see, I'm going to have to prove to you that there's power in empty hands. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, evangelist, I'm glad you're doing well. But I remember, amen, when they was not doing so good. Oh, yes, if someone had said to me when I started out preaching, amen, i got got to get me a fifth wheel, and I'd have thought they're speaking in a foreign language of some kind. Amen. Had to have this and that and so so many suits, but so many pairs of shoes before I could launch out into the ministry. Let me tell you something. Amen. The reason some of you are not doing very much for God, you've got too much in your hands. Some preachers are holding on to real estate, holding on to their good jobs, amen, holding on to this world's materialistic things. No wonder they can't do much for God. You need to empty your hands out so God can take your life by His Spirit and use you. In the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus, the Bible says that Amalek came up against the children of Israel. Oh, yes. And Israel began to fight against the children of Amalek. But Moses stood up on that mountain and he stood there and lifted up empty hands. As long as he had those hands lifted, Israel prevailed. But when his hands became weary and he dropped his hands to the side, amen, Brother Strickler, amen, the Amleks began to win the battle. But oh, when Moses would gain strength, he had nothing in his hands, but he was lifting up holy hands unto God without wrath or doubting. And as long as he held his hands up, Israel would win. Had two men there with him. Come out here, Brother Strickler. Had two men there with him, one by the name of Aaron and one by the name of her. One preacher preached Aaron and his wife her. Amen. Anyhow, amen. They had, they saw what was going on. They saw there was power in those empty hands. And they saw the enemy was prevailing when those empty hands were down. So one of them, my brother, come here. One of them took old Aaron, took Moses and set him down. Hallelujah. And one of them got on one side and lifted up that empty hand. And then another got on this side and lifted up that empty hand. And with those empty hands lifted, amen, God prevailed over the children of Amalek and gave Israel the victory. I'm telling you, there is power in empty hands. And God said, write this in a book for a memorial. We've got the record of it. Power in empty hands. Let's go home. Oh, you can let them down now. But oh, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. When God called me to preach, 
Nobody had ever heard of Don Rich. I had no invitations. I had nobody wanting me to preach. But I knew God had called me to preach. And so I'd visit different churches. See your Bible there. And I'd walk in like this, carrying my Bible up high, just in case they needed a preacher. I want them to know I was a preacher. But I'd get no invitations. Go home disappointed, go visit another church, carry that Bible up high, hoping somebody would ask me if I was a preacher and ask me to preach. And nobody would seem to ask me to preach. One night my wife shocked me. She said, did you say God had called you to preach? I said, yes. She said, when are you going to start preaching then? And I said, well, I've been visiting here and visiting there, and nobody seems to want me. But in the night, God dealt with my heart. I got up the next morning and loaded my a little old truck. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the mountains. I'm taking this quilt. I'm taking no food. I'm taking no water. I, what are you going to do? I'm going to fast and pray until I hear from God who called me to preach his word. I went to the mountain. She said, will you be back tonight? I said, I don't know. Will you be back tomorrow? I don't know. I went to the mountains and I fasted four days. And on the fifth day, amen, I touched the God of heaven who called me to preach. And he put an anointing upon my soul. Hallelujah. And that oil, brother, is still running down in my bosom tonight. I come home and I said, Sister Rich, get your cord in. I got my old guitar. She said, where are we going? I said, we're going to go preach. She said, did you get a place to preach? I said, I sure have. The Lord's let me know that everywhere I see a sinner man or a woman. Amen. That can be my congregation. We went down on the streets of Pismo Beach, California. Amen. Went down in front of that pier. Over here is the ballroom. Amen. Over here is the uh, Ferris wheel and all of these things. An arcade over here. The beach over there. And I told Sister Rich, I said, right here is where I'm going to preach. About that time, a policeman drove up and said, what are you going to do here? I said, I've been in the mountains praying, and God's got a hold of my heart. And I cannot preach in any of these churches around here, so I'm going to preach the gospel right here on this street. Policeman looked at me, and he said, well, I'm not a Christian but my mama was a holiness woman. If you want to preach, you preach. So, Sister Rich took that old accordion. I took that old guitar. Stepped out and I noticed we wasn't reaching out too far. And I had a little portable microphone and PA system in my trunk. And I got it out, but I had no electricity. Amen. To operate that uh, microphone and PA system. So I goes over to this tavern, this beer joint, and I knock on the door. The man inside said, come in. I didn't go in. Knocked again. Come in. Sure, we're open. I didn't go in, but I knocked again. 
finally come to the door said man are you crazy said we we're open come on in I said I don't want to come in I'm getting ready to preach the gospel I need power for my PA system here is my electric cord he said well come on in and plug it in I said I am not coming in you go plug it in and throw it out that window there and that night the devil paid the electricity bill while I preached the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ we didn't have no fancy sermons we didn't have no fancy songs but sister rich began to squeeze that accordion and we stepped out with that old guitar and we began to sing the love of God how rich and pure how measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels song with nothing in our hands people begin to come to hear us preach the word of God I took that text where Pilate said what shall I do then with this man that is called the Christ I begin to walk that curb and preach with nothing in my hand but brother there was something in my soul even though my hands were empty my soul was full and something reached out in that little congregation that had assembled there and at the conclusion of my message here stand here kneels a man at my feet and says preacher can that Jesus do anything for me and my wife and I knelt there on that black top and that's where we won our first soul to the Lord Jesus Christ brother you don't have to have a lot of these things in your hand but you do have to have the spirit and the power of God the power of empty hands I'm gonna move on close hurriedly now we was preaching down there again on another night we began to go every Saturday night when I rolled into the little town that night policemen were everywhere upon the buildings were policemen with machine guns and this policeman that I knew who said his mother was holiness drove over and said preacher you better not try to preach tonight said the motorcycle gang called the hell's angels is just up the road here and they're coming to Pismo Beach so that's why we've got all these men stationed here for you see that motorcycle gang come into little towns and completely cleaned them out and left out amen with much violence did not spare nobody took what they wanted and left I said if you don't mind I'm gonna go ahead and sing some songs and preach he said well I'll tell you it's my advice for you to leave but he said if you're determined go ahead I was determined so I we began to sing some songs and folks began to gather around again then we heard the roar of the cycles as they rolled in some of the most shaggiest dirtiest looking fellas you ever seen and women riding on those cycles they rode up close to where we was at and I was trying to preach, but my little microphone wouldn't reach over the sound of those mufflers. That one man sat there and just pumped, amen, those mufflers, pumped that gas to that a motorcycle. Finally, 
He saw I was going to keep on preaching anyhow. Even though nobody could hear me, I was going to keep on preaching. So he got off of his cycle, walked over to where I was preaching. Big hairy fella reached out, Brother Lee, took my shirt and pulled it out. Took a cigarette he was smoking that was lit out of his lips and shoved it down my collar. Say, what did you do? I kept on preaching. Amen. It just had empty hands, but I kept on preaching. The Lord helped me. I don't know how I did it, but I got my shirt tail out without being indecently exposed. Shook that thing out without even being burned. Amen. Put it out with my foot and kept on preaching. And when I did, that man stood to his gang and said, shut him down. And while I preached the gospel, the hell's angels stood over, set over there on their cycles and listened to the word of God. I'll tell you what we need in this hour is men and women who will have the spirit of the Lord to move upon them. We've got too much in our hands. I said too much. The success of the early church was empty hands. <laughs> they went everywhere preaching the word. God working with them. Confirming his word with signs following. And after the day of Pentecost, in the fifth chapter of the book, I said, I sure like to take you out. She said, well... You'll have to go ask my mom and daddy. Oh yeah, Butch, that was her dad's nickname. Her last name was Butcher, so they call my father-in-law Butch. Oh, I had a little more, what do you call that? Fortitude maybe than some young men. And I liked the looks of that little black-headed girl so much. I walked in that house. I walked in that house and I said, listen, I'd sure like to take Shirley somewhere tonight. That was on Sunday afternoon. Her mother and dad spoke up, I believe it was her dad, said, well, son, if you want to take her somewhere, you can go with us to church, but that's the only place you're going to take her. Well, I was not a Christian, but I agreed to go to church because I liked the looks of that little black-headed girl. And so we all got in the car and we went to Ivanhoe, California. And my wife's uncle by marriage, Virgil Moore, was the pastor of a church over there. We went inside that church. Amen. They had some singing group there that did well. They had good songs. And then they had a singing group that sung some special songs. They all was sort of dressed alike. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. They sang their songs. All had on the same color trousers, the same color shirt. They sang their songs. And when they got through, Brother Moore went to the pulpit. And he opened his Bible to preach. He said, just a minute before I preach, I think there's something else that needs to be done. Is God dealing with anybody here to do something? From the back comes a tall man about six foot six with a pair of overalls on. 
blue gray work shirt that was faded overalls let out as far as the galluses would go amen he had big old hands twice the size of mine i believe his shoes must have been 13s or 14s walked up there so clumsy and being full of meanness like i was i elbowed my girlfriend i said this is gonna be good well he stood up there and he said i was praying this afternoon and god told me to sing a song in this service and he said i see my god has left a place for me just like he told me he would he's made a place for me mm -hmm. and so he'd hum a little bit and then try to get his key and about that time i elbowed shirley again i said i told you this is gonna be good after a while that man leaned away back he held up nothing but two empty hands but he leaned away back like this and he held up those big old hands and he started a song that went like this once in the stillness of the late midnight hour i felt the presence of the lord's saving power and even though those hands were empty something reached from those empty hands into my backbone amen something started moving in my back amen with those empty hands lifted he sang now every moment of every day and every hour in every way i'm leaning on jesus the rock of my soul i'm singing his praises wherever i go ahead of me to a big rough looking man and I looked and one of them began to shake like a man with the cold chills pretty soon he couldn't stay seated any longer he got up and weeping and crying and the other man went with him they made their way down to the altar for salvation and even though I was not a Christian I checked amen that man had nothing in his hands but coming out of my eyes was tears Amen. Coming from the power of those empty hands. I know now what it was. That same spirit that moved Samson. Amen. When he had nothing in his hand. Was there with that man. And those empty hands were reaching out. I turned in my seat. And I began to pray. And ask God to forgive me. Let me tell you something brothers and sisters. We need men and women. With less talent they're depending upon and more the spirit of God that'll move in their souls the power of empty hands when Peter and John came to the temple at the hour of prayer he said a lame man had his little cup in his hand and as they passed by going to the temple to pray Peter said look on us <laughs> and he looked on them expecting to receive something from them but all their hands were empty and Peter said silver and gold have I none but in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk 
and he reached down with an empty hand and raised that old cripple to his feet. And the Bible said he ran into the temple, leaping and praising God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you tonight, amen, one of the things that's hurting us in our holiness churches, we've got volumes of books on and volumes of tapes on how to get the Spirit of God moving and how to have a move of the Spirit. I'm telling you, it's going to take more than volumes of books. It's going to take the Spirit and the power of Almighty God. Someone mentioned Billy Sunday today. Billy Sunday said, one spark of fire will do more to prove the power of black powder than all the volumes of books that could ever be written on the matter. And brother, one spark of fire from the Holy Ghost that fell on the day of Pentecost will do more than all the talents of men put together. The power of empty hands. Hallelujah. Preachers, we're going to have to empty our hands out. You hear me? You hear me? Elijah come thundering out of the hills. He saw the allegiance of the people of God divided. Some were saying, Baal is God. And others were saying that the God of heaven was God. But listen, amen, when Elijah came on the scene, he said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If Baal be God, serve him. But if God be God, serve him. Amen. And then he put a challenge to them and said, we're going to get two bullocks and we're going to build an altar. Amen. You slay one bullock and put it on your altar. Amen. I'll slay a bullock and put it on the altar. And the God that answers by fire and consumes a sacrifice, let him be God. And the saying pleased all the people. Here they were. They went first. The prophets of Baal, 450 of them. 400 prophets of the grove, 850 against one. Oh yeah, they had lances. Amen. They had knives in their hands. They slew their bullock. They put him on the altar. Amen. They prayed, but there was no answer. Amen. They cried out, but there was no one to hear. And finally, old prophet stood over and said, Perhaps your God is asleep. Why don't you cry a little louder? Or maybe he's pursuing or on a journey somewhere. Cry louder. They prayed on and finally they become furious. They took in their hands knives and lances and began to cut their bodies until the blood gushed out. But there was still no answer. There was still no fire. At the time of evening sacrifice, the man of God said, all right, it's my turn now. You've had your turn. It's my turn now. I'm afraid the charismatics has had their turn. The world's getting tired of all of that junk.
The world's getting tired of all that make-believe. The world's getting tired of all the pretense that goes into this type of worship. Amen. I can see Elijah saying, it's my turn. He erected the altar and repaired it. Amen. He slew a bullock and put it up on the altar. Placed 12 stones representing the 12 sons, amen, of Jacob who were of the covenant of God. Amen. He said, bring four barrels of water. Won't you fellas to know that I'm not going to pull any rabbits out of my hat. I have no lucky charms in my shoes. Amen. Pour four barrels of water on that sacrifice. And he said, do it again. And then he said, do it again. Made 12 barrels of water. And here stands an old prophet all alone over here his men with knives and lances in their hands but that old prophet stands on the mountain lifts up empty hands and he says God of Abraham of Isaac and Jacob hear me that these people may know that there is a God in Israel with empty hands he prayed a 63 word prayer and fire came down from God out of heaven and consumed the sacrifice lapped up the water that was in the trench and consumed the stones oh hear me tonight empty hands there's power in them oh no I'm not against Bible school but if you went to Bible school to learn how to preach you got too much in your hands Now, I believe in school. Nothing wrong with studying the Word of God. And it's good that young men would turn aside in their lifetime and take time to study the Word. But it's not for everybody. Some of us knew how to discipline our own selves. Go on our knees in prayer. Take that old black back book and get along with God until he charged them empty hands with Holy Ghost power. And we come up with an anointing from God that would shake the devil out of his pew. Amen. With boldness in our hearts to preach the word of God in face of the devil. Let me tell you what we need tonight is empty our hands out. Sister Gail Myers was here earlier. She told you about our experiences with the Kuna Indians in the San Blas Islands. She was the first white woman that ever went into the Kankandi jungle. And she told you I was the first man, white man, that ever went there and preached the gospel to those people. Those people are bound in superstition, idolatry, and witchcraft have a woman there that's married before we went there had a gold ring in her nose well it's only about four or five inches difference between those heathens over there and these heathens over here they wear them in their nose over here they wear them in their ears but sister Gail said brother rich They've got a ruling that no white man can stay on the islands, but you need to come and try to preach that you'll have to sleep in a boat a thousand feet out in the water. And, but they won't let a white man on this island because no stranger, no man that's not a kuna can come on these islands. 
over three feet into the shoreline because years ago someone came and molested some of the Kuna women and they made a law no men outside of Kunas could come on the islands but I went with empty hands sure wish I'd have took a suitcase with me with food in it because I didn't like that monkey and the guana lizard and them boiled green bananas amen and them raw fish <laughs> but I went with empty hands Brother Neil Bridges went with me, this young man's pastor, size number 13 shoe. We landed on Big Orange Island. Sister Gail, rather large woman. Brother Neil with his long shoes. Amen. Brother Rich weighing 245 pounds. We go up to that island. Here Kuna Indians are with their eyes like steel looking at us. Brother Frankie, our interpreter, who was a Kuna Indian who can speak Spanish, English, and Kuna, said, y'all stay in the boat. I'll try to get permission for you to come ashore. He went and talked to the chief, and to our amazement, the chief said, bring them on shore. When we walked on shore and all those little short Kunas, most all of them can go under my arms like this. Amen. They looked at us like they were afraid of us. In reality, we were more afraid of them than they were of us. They were peculiar people. Amen. Worshiping their little idols. Worshiping gods of wood and of stone. Amen. I don't know where they got the idea of blood, but they'd take the blood of a chicken that they'd get off of a boat in, out of Columbia and they'd kill that chicken and sprinkle that blood before their little gods and chant. Oh, brother, you talk about something that'll tear your heart out when you see old men, amen, kneeling before their little gods and crying all night long till tears actually come out of their eyes, praying to a God that can't hear, to a God that can't answer, amen, to a God that can't speak. And here they are, Brother Neil and I, we began to preach. We won a few people to the Lord, but we were new. We didn't win many, but we won a few. We left there. I come home with a busy schedule like I normally have. I'd just been home three weeks. I was preaching revival. God said, shut it all down and go back to the Kuna Indians. I said, Lord, that trip cost $1,500 and I don't have the money to go. God said, shut her down. So I went to the pastor. I said, I'm closing today. It's Sunday morning. He said, you got to stay at least till the night. I said, I'm closing today. I closed that day and went to a phone and called Sister Gail Myers. She said, Brother Rich, don't tell me what's, why you're calling. Let me tell you. said, God has dealt with your heart to go back to the Kuna Indians. And you're going to go. I said, yes, just as soon as I can raise the money. It's good to live a sanctified life in your hometown. Amen. Good sanctified people right there where I live found out I had a desire to go. One brother come to me in less than two weeks, said, Brother Rich, we got the money for your trip, got the money for your ticket. Amen. Get it together and go. Brother Steve Moore and I went, and we landed on another island. When we got there, 
Amen. They, we had to get permission again. You have to get permission to go on, and you got to get permission to leave. If you didn't have permission to leave, you might could leave, but you couldn't never come back. And so we had to get permission to leave. Well, Brother Steve Moore and I arrived, and the chief recognized my face and just motioned for me to come on. Since that time, there's over 50 islands with Kuna Indians living on them. And what is chief? Well, the main chief said, we've looked. Every time you've been here, we've searched. And we never have missed not one thing after you left. And 42 chiefs said, you're welcome to come to our islands anytime you want to come. Well, Brother Steve Moore was with me. We had a small congregation, and I was preaching on John 3:16. Not much happened that night. The people were still reluctant to give their hearts to God, still bound in tradition, still bound in witchcraft. Finally, after service, they come to us and said, there's an old man down here in a hut laying in his hammock. He's in severe pain. And they had prayed to their gods. They had several little gods sitting underneath his uh, hammock. Amen. Had uh, coals of fire going, offering sacrifices to their little idols, uh, but they could not get an answer. So they come and said, We prayed to our gods uh, and we can't get no help. Bring the white men and see if their God will answer. Amen. We walked down to that little hut. We had nothing but empty hands. We walked into that hut and Brother Vance, the moment that Brother Steve Moore's fingers touched that old man and said, in the name of Jesus, rise up. The power of the Son of God, amen, came into that old man's body. He rolled out of that hammock and became a testimony for Jesus Christ. Next night, we had almost the entire island out to hear us preach. But that night, we couldn't go to bed. Every time we'd try to get in our hammocks, someone else would knock on that little bamboo door. We've got a sick baby or a sick boy. They kept us going through those little narrow streets. Can you imagine a three-acre island? Three acres without, with over a thousand people living on three acres had us walking through those little narrow streets with empty hands, reaching out in the name of Jesus and God healing by His mighty power. Those Kunas being curious people, they kept trying to see what kind of lucky charm we had. Amen. They'd try to spy into our bags to see what kind of God we had. Amen. Trying to look in our hands, in our pockets. Amen. To see if we had some kind of lucky charm or God that they could get a hold of. But I'm telling you, when you've got the name that's above every name, when you've got the name of Jesus, you can go with empty hands and accomplish a purpose that God intended for you to accomplish. Make a long story short, we now have over eight, church, eight churches established and more wanting us to come all because we went with empty hands. What are you leaning on today? Uh, what are you counting on? We've got fancy churches. We've got fancy pews. We've got carpet on the floor. 
We've got organs and pianos and fancy guitars. Nothing wrong with that. I believe in music. But do we have what Samson had when the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him? Oh, yeah, he slew that lion, left the carcass, went on his way. Later on, he came back by that place. Most of us wouldn't go back where we had a hard trial. Most of us wouldn't go back where we fought the battle. But Samson decided, I'll go back here and revisit this place where I fought that lion with empty hands. When he turned aside and looked at that carcass, instead of a lion roaring out against him, he found that the whole carcass full of honey and honeycomb, picked it up in his hands. God had turned his trial into sweetness. I said, God had turned his trial into sweetness, all because he was depending on empty hands. Y'all are not helping me much, but I'm beginning to feel like preaching. Amen. We've trusted in too many things. We've had the electronic preachers for the last 25 years. And the church is in worse condition now than it's ever been before. We've leaned on this like the woman with the issue of blood. We have tried many physicians. But instead of growing better, we have grown worse. But oh, could I tell you, if we would reach out to night and touch the hem of his garment we could rise up with empty hands and do something for the Lord like the man with his hands full trying to get something else God can't put nothing in your hand if there's no room in your hands to receive it mm. glory to God glory to God so then I made a couple more trips to the Kuna Indians. And finally, Brother Gary Edenfield and Brother John Long went with me. We got over there. And, oh, it's not all easy. I mean, you ought to have seen old Brother John David Long on Thanksgiving Day we was there. They brought in a big old brown monkey and skinned him out and cooked him for us. and set it on a table for Thanksgiving. He didn't know I had my camera. And I got a camera of him looking at it. I got a picture of him looking at it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, it's not that real easy. Hey, man, some of you want to go. I've had a lot of people ask me to go. I'll take you if you don't have anything in your hands. If you don't want to just a trip to the Caribbean, one boy came to me at Bristol, said, when are you going to go back to the Kuna Indians again? I said, I don't know, right away probably. He said, I sure want to go. said, I'd like to see that Panama Canal. Preacher boy, uh -uh. get rid of that that's in your hand. Hallelujah. Glory. Oh, y'all not helping me much. We got too much in our hands. I said too much in our hands. We think we can shake it out of them. Or loud pray it out of them. Amen. Or jerk it out of them. Or shout it out of them. Some of you come here with things in your hands and you think you can shout in this church. Amen. And get something else from God. Not till you empty your hands. Hallelujah. Oh, brother, when the disciples left the upper room, 
120 of them left out full of the power of the Holy Ghost and here nearly 2,000 years later we still have the effects of those men with empty hands when they saw Peter and John amen they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned fishermen but they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus what have you got in your hands well we went with brother Gary Edenfield one night on Big Orange Island where we had a little preacher boy, just little Kuna got saved, some of our earlier um, visits there. And we put him over the little church there as a worker, preaching, because he's the only one that could read. And we put him over him, preaching to him, and he said he felt like he was called to preach, so we put him over these people. He didn't know hardly anything about the Word of God, but he could read a little bit. Had a, about equal of a third grade education because when he was a child, he got to go into Panama City and learn to read. Well, we told Brother Florentino, we want to have a meeting tonight. And you go talk to the chief and see if we can get the only vacant place here on this island that will hold the entire island. See if he'll give permission. And the chief said, yes, you can have service out there. When we got out to have service, almost the entire island, including the chief, first chief, second chief, and third chief were there. We started our service. Little Kuna women and men, we'd never seen them show much emotion. Never seen them except we've seen them with tears of repentance as they gave their hearts to Jesus. We saw them seeking the Lord for deeper experiences and closer walks with the Lord. And so I went out and started preaching. It started pouring down rain, just come a cloud burst. And everybody run to shelter. And we got out, of course we was wet, but we got out in underneath the roof, just a, a little overhang. and. Water, the rain died down, just a fine mist. I told Brother Long, I said, go out and start preaching. See if they'll come back. And to our amazement, John David Long went out and started preaching. Stars started twinkling, and then dark clouds came again. And another outpours, the people started gathering again. They run back for shelter. Finally, it stopped raining again. I told Gary Edenfield, I said, Gary, get out there, boy. And if you've ever preached, he said, yeah, but there ain't nobody out there. I said, I know, just get out there and go to preaching. Go to preaching. Brother little old Gary, you know him, went out there and went to preaching with all the fire that he had. You talk about backing preachers up. Brother, whenever there's nobody there can speak English but one or two, we'd back one another up to the hill. Boy, we would right in there, come on, preach it. Nobody there listening. And here comes all these kunas. I believe we had as big a crowd as we had at first or maybe bigger. All of our little kuna men lined up right in front, everybody standing. I'd say there was about 20 or maybe 25 young saved kuna men standing right in front. Gary did not have one thing in his hand. 
but coming from the heavenly world I've never seen it before I'd seen folks baptized two or three baptized at once but I've never seen this before the power of God fell if it had been planned it couldn't have been no better Every one of them little Kuna men, about 20 or 25 in number, went down at the same moment, in the same split second. God slayed them out on that wet ground in a split second. And I saw a little...